Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. For the most decorated head coach in NFL history, the GOAT, the hood man, is sure feeling a lot of heat these days, and he should be. I mean, to me, one thing is pretty clear right about now, this dude is not bulletproof. He's not bulletproof, nor should he be. Especially not after that disgraceful clown show of an offensive plan that he had last season. An offensive plan so horrific, you could call it malpractice. You should call it malpractice. Or maybe just moronic. Or doomed from the jump. Or all of the above. Because it was all of those things. It doesn't exactly take a football genius to know that Matt the Ticonderoga, Patricia and Joseph, the leader of men, Judge, were going to lead that offense exactly where they led it. Nowhere. Everybody could see that coming, except for the one dude in charge. Except for the alleged GOAT. The alleged greatest coach ever. The alleged greatest coach ever also made one of the all-time coaching blunders ever. Which is why I think it's fair game to revisit the GOAT conversation. Now, I'm not trying to rip back any of the Hoodman's rings. He earned them. He deserves them. But, but, I mean, the guy did have Tom Brady. And he hasn't won bleep without Bacon 45. See, like, I didn't ever want to get caught up in some of that nonsense and that hot take vomit and garbage that's so lazy and so easy and so convenient. But it's almost unavoidable at this point, Right. I don't really think that the coach v. quarterback debate seems all that absurd anymore. Like, I'm ready to have that conversation finally. And I'm not alone. And no, I'm not alone because Asante Samuel also thinks that the coach v. quarterback question is legit. Now, he's not exactly on the fence about it either. Here is what the former Pats corner had to say with Bryant McFadden on the All Things Covered podcast about the GOAT when that conversation came up. Is he the best coach in NFL history? Absolutely not. Are you crazy? Why, why not? Well, look at his record without Tom. You got to win without Tom. So you're telling thing me. I learned about being great, you got to be great in different situations. It was all Tom. I was there. I saw it. It was Tom. Everybody know it. Tom know it. But he ain't going to admit it because he want to be politically correct. That's why I'm here. That's why I'm going to tell the truth. And you're not afraid. And I never. And you got experience to talk the truth. Because I've been there. I've seen it. I confronted him. And we've been through it. And that's how I do. That's how I do. What an incredible response. Is Bill Belichick the greatest coach ever? I mean, I don't think there's anybody anywhere not named Asante that would say that he is, right? And his response was not, no, I don't think so. His response was, are you crazy? Are you crazy? Like, that's the dumbest question ever. Are you crazy? Are you crazy? It's like he was asked, is, is Rich Kotite the greatest NFL coach ever? Are you crazy? Are you crazy? I mean, my man just cooked, just cooked the hood over an open flame. It'd be like, hey, I got a question. Is Perv the greatest NFL coach ever? Are you hey, crazy? Like, today's Wednesday, right? Hey, happy hump day, Perv. Is Pervin Liar the greatest NFL coach ever? Are you crazy? Are you crazy? His response would have been fair for that. But that was the response to the question, is Belichick the best ever? 
I mean, look, I understand that Asante has been a vocal critic in the past, right? I understand that there's beef there. But you can't say that if you separate that for a minute and you look at it objectively, you can't say that the man doesn't have a point. Now, are you crazy is a bit much. Are you crazy? That's a response. I love it, but it's a bit much. But you can't say that he doesn't have a point. You can't say that he can't point to pretty good sources or evidence. I mean, he is a pretty good source. He himself is a source. He won two Super Bowls with the hood. He's been on the inside. He knows. And, of course, bitter Pats fan would be quick to point out, yeah, right, he did win two, but he'd have three if not for him. Himself, right? He's the reason he doesn't have three. Fair, fair. But it also backs up the point that Asante would know how things worked in New England. He was right in the middle of it. He won rings there. Multiple rings. He was right in the middle of it. He was there, and he says, it's all Tom. He says, check Hoodman's record without bacon face. And that record is 79 and 87, <laughs> including playoffs. He said bacon face himself would say it if he weren't so politically correct, but that's why Asante is there. If you want to include the playoffs without bacon face, then the hood is 80 and 90. But I will at least give the mumbler credit for this. That one playoff win is still the last home playoff victory for the Browns, even though it happened on New Year's Day 1995. Hey, Savage, what year were you born? 96. I didn't even know the answer to that question. So Belichick has not won a playoff game without Brady in Jack Savage's lifetime. That's how long it's been. I mean, seriously, though. 80 and 90 without Brady does not exactly scream greatness or goatness. It doesn't even scream mediocrity or average. I don't get the urge to make goat noises when I hear 80 and 90 without Brady. And I'll tell you what else. Back to my original point. It does not scream untouchable. It does not scream bulletproof. It actually screams the opposite. The only reason Hoodman is going to make it through another crappy playoff-less season is if Bob Kraft wants to keep him around long enough to break Don Shula's record. Just so Kraft can then break him off the second he gets back to the locker room after he does get that record. Bottom line, Hoodman needs a winning season. He needs a winning season. By the way, he needs to win a playoff game. I'm not even saying he needs to win a Super Bowl, although that'd be nice. That would help. But just getting to the postseason to get hammered is not enough. This guy needs to win a playoff game. And not just for his legacy, not just for this talk about whether or not he's the GOAT, not just for the Brady debate. He does need it for all those things. But most importantly, this guy needs it to keep his job. Whether he wants to admit it or not, He is sitting on a very warm seat right about now. And his ass is about to catch fire if the Patriots roll out another 7-10. If the Patriots roll out another 7-10, it won't just be Asante answering the question, is Bill Belichick the best coach of all time with the answer, are you crazy? Are you crazy? Essentially, what I'm saying is, 
Nobody with six rings has ever had more to prove than this guy. And don't even try to radio man me right now, Hood, because you know I'm right. You know I'm right. You know how I know that that seat is warm? Because you're sitting on it and your ass is hot. That's why I'm here. Are you crazy is such a great response. Are you crazy? So I never really got too caught up in that debate. But the more evidence you get, the more data you get, the more obvious it is who is more important. And that's how I do. Because that's how he do. I like it, Asante. And again, this is not just some wild, hot-taking guy who's talking out his ass, who has no idea what he's talking about. He was in it. Now, he might have beef, but he was in it. And he did win two ranks. He knows how they do. He knows how they operate. He knows what's up. Are you crazy is an awesome response. Are you crazy? To a pretty basic question that we would all agree. I mean, say what you want about the hood, and I just did for a whole take. Like, this guy does need to win. And I do think that his job is in jeopardy. And I think Bob Kraft would fire him. Not until he gets the record, but I think he would fire him. But I think that we all can agree, like him, hate him, or otherwise, he is the greatest coach of all time. But he's not the same coach without Tom Brady. So are you crazy is an awesome response. Are you crazy? 1-800-636-8686. Or maybe maybe your thought is, you know what? We do have to revisit this. Rings or not, this guy's not the greatest of all time because what has he done since Brady left? Nothing. I'll tell you what he's done. He's lost more games than he's won, and he had one of the worst plans ever last year. And listen, I'm not saying everybody's perfect, but if you are, in fact, the greatest ever, if you are the greatest ever, how can you have the worst idea ever for an offense? Either that's the worst idea ever for an offensive plan, or you're the most arrogant guy ever, or both. I just know the greatest ever would never try what he tried last year offensively with those two dudes. So is he still the greatest ever? I'm going to say yes. But I'm going to say, finally, I'm ready to have the conversation. Once again, 1-800-636-8686. And if he's not, then who is? Asante. Asante for that answer. Are you crazy? That's why I'm here. That is why you're here, dude. I'm glad you're here. I'm here for you being here. And that's how I do. Do you know why I'm here for you being here? Because that's how you do. I like that's how I do. Patriot fan, I know you're pissed, but you know what? If you look in the mirror and you think about it and you're really objective and you do some deep thinking on this, you know this guy's not that far off. You know it. Discover credit cards do something pretty awesome. At the end of your first year, they automatically double all the cash back that you've earned. That's right. Everything you have earned doubled. All the cash back from eating at your favorite restaurant doubled. All the cash back from that trip where you sort of learned to snowboard also doubled and the best part you don't have to do anything ridiculous to get it discover does it automatically seriously though see terms and check it out for yourself at discover.com slash match we are joined right now by tom herman tom it's been a minute it's great to have you back in the jungle what's going on tom how are you van smack what is up i am doing phenomenal down here in paradise my man Dude, it is so good to hear your voice. I love it. Dude, I hey, love hey, it. When you said seven, seven eleven, I was, I was, 
I was waiting for 7-Eleven, 7 even backdoor little Joe picked up the cash flow. That's, that's what I was waiting for after you said that. <laughs> Dude, sorry to disappoint you, man. Listen, but it is great to have you back. I'm feeling the energy. It's good to have you back where you belong. Listen, catch me up to date. When you moved on from Texas, you did not immediately jump right back into the college game. So what is it about this opportunity at Florida Atlantic that you like so much? Why is this the right spot for you? Well, I, I think, you know, when, when I decided, we decided as a family to jump back in this crazy business called college football, we wanted two things. And that was um, a place uh, where me and my family could be happy living um, and one that uh, you could win a championship at. And this fit both those bills to a T we've, we've got an unbelievable recruiting base in the tri-county areas of Dade Broward and, and Palm beach County down here in South Florida. We've got a two year old facility. That's as good. I mean, uh, probably 60 to 80% of power five schools would, would die to have a facility like, like we have. And so there, there was, and the leadership, you know, Brian White as athletic director and, um, you know, his pedigree and, and what he's done here, the money he's raised, the buildings he's built. It just, and, um, you know, we're 1.8 miles from the sand of Boca Raton Beach. So, you know, life is good, brother. Yeah, nothing wrong with any of that. Tom Herman is joining us. So the thing is, when you didn't return now, to college. Hey, hang on, Romy. Uh, the now, we, we do not, though, the one thing I'm trying to get built are dorm rooms that actually have an ocean front view, much like uh, where you went to college, my friend. Yeah, I'm trying to think, though, where I went to college, and you know exactly where I went to college, where did your wife stay her first year? Do you remember? Well, she transferred from UC Davis, okay. and then she, she went straight in, into uh, Isla Vista, which was holy cow. Yeah, right. So, but my first year, I did not, when I was at FT as a freshman, I did not have an ocean view from my dorm. However, for you to get the kind of guys that you want, that would help. That's a good thing. That's a good plan. You should do that. You know, when you did, when you jumped, you, when you went from Texas, you didn't jump right back into the college game, but you did have an opportunity to stay in the game. You went to work for the Chicago Bears in 2021. I'm curious, after spending your whole life in the college game, what was your biggest takeaway from that season in the NFL? Good question. I, I think, one, I was surprised by the level of I don't want a commitment and work ethic. You know, I thought I was going to walk in and see a bunch of millionaire, millionaire prima donnas. And I was talking to a, an NFL, you know, a, a veteran NFL coach. And he said something that it, it stuck with me. He said, think about all the guys that are walking the planet right now that have the talent to play in the NFL. There's thousands of them, but these guys are the 1% of 1% of, heart, intelligence, work ethic, accountability, and, and that, that made a lot of sense to me. And so that was one thing. The other thing, <laughs> the positive was there's, there's actually really an offseason. Like, there's, there's, no, there's no recruiting. You know, I had two weeks off for spring break. My phone never rang. I had, you know, uh, a few weeks off in the summer. My phone never rang. I'm 
supposed to be on vacation right now and just got out of a three-hour meeting with my athletic director. So, um, and we've got recruits coming in on, on July 27th. So uh, there, the work-life balance in that league for the coaches is much, much um, more palpable, I guess, uh, than, you know, everything that, that we ask of, of college coaches. We're talking to Tom Herman. I'm so glad you brought that up. I was actually going there next, this whole notion of work-life balance. You know, for instance, like a lot of young, hard-driving coaches, you had a lot of success early on knowing what you know now. And you mentioned it. We made this decision as a family to come here. With this opportunity, are you going to approach it any differently from a work-life balance than you did when you first came up? That's a good question. I I, I think – I already have, which has been difficult with the move, but I, I have never been a head coach that requires my staff to sit around and guard their desks or work till midnight to just to prove that, you know, that, that they're working hard. So I, I've never really been, it, it's been the recruiting and, and I don't know how you get away from that, Romy. I, I, I don't, you got to go recruit. You got to have good players, and so that part of the work-life balance, I don't think, is ever going to change. And in fact, you know, it's it's gotten. And, and I'm not complaining. They they pay us really good money, and and we're really high-paid teachers. I get it. Um, but it, it, when the December signing day showed up, which included spring, you know, April, May, and June official visits, you know, kids at, at your, your house every weekend in those months, plus in December and January still, you know, that, that became a bit much, but I don't, I don't know how you fix it. You, you got to do business the way business is done. And that part of it um, is, is probably never going to change. Nope. You need players. You got to have players. Tom Herman joining us. You know, Tom, I had a couple of great conversations with FAU's basketball coach, Dusty May, over the spring when the Owls made their historic Final Four run. Look, I get hoops and football are not one and the same, but did the run that they made motivate and inspire your guys to try to raise the national profile of that football program once again? Absolutely. I, I think it was one of the best things that has happened to Florida Atlantic University, uh, you know, probably since its inception. And it, it has absolutely, you know, put a national spotlight not only on our athletic department, not only on our basketball team, but our entire university and, and the, uh, all of the positive things. And you, you asked about our guys. Yeah, I think they kind of take it as a challenge. We're all competitors, right? Okay, they made it to the Final Four. Boys, looks like we got to go to the damn, uh, you know, we got to either go to the playoffs or at least a, a New Year's Six game. So, yeah, I do think it, it was a, a nice challenge, but also something that we're really proud of because now everybody in the country knows about Florida Atlantic. They know who FAU is, and you couldn't say that. Uh, six months ago and and now you can and and, you know it's our job now in the fall to to carry that torch and maybe even raise it a notch 
We're talking to Tom Herman. So, Tom, what about that schedule? Let me ask you this. Not only is it your first year in the program, it's FAU's first year in the American Athletic Conference, which means it is a step up in competition. You're playing at Clemson. You're playing at Illinois. What kind of thoughts do you have when you look at that schedule top to bottom? Oh, the first thought is who? Who the hell did that? You know, when, <laughs> right. I, when I when I got here, right? But no, I I I think it's good. I I think it's 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 laid out very very well in terms of our four non-conference games. Uh, we we end the the four non-conference slate, you know, with with back-to-back road games against some two really good teams in Clemson and, and Illinois. But then we get a we, we get an off week and we get a chance to regroup regardless of what happens, and then we go into our conference schedule. And, you know, having been in this conference before at the University of Houston, you know, I, I am familiar with it. But, you know, the, the big boys, if you will, and I'm, I'm not ashamed to say it, you know, because I was part of it, uh, you know, the three big boys are leaving in Houston, UCF, and Cincinnati, and we're bringing in six Conference USA schools. So I, I think – you know the the talent um, parity will will certainly exist, and if, if the players are of similar ilk, I think then you know you, you you've got a chance every Saturday that you you put the pads on. And it starts once again September 2nd. Officially, the Owls are going to open up their season at home against Monmouth. Their head football coach is Tom Herman. Back in the jungle, Tom, it's been a minute. It's great to hear your voice. Great to have you back in here, and you know we'll do it again soon. You too, Romy. I appreciate the uh, the call and you guys reaching out. You know I love you. Uh, I go back to the mighty 690 days. So uh, I'm an original clone, man. So any anytime you need. Uh, need me. I'm here for you. My man, I- U.S. Cellular is introducing us mode. You know, it's kind of like airplane mode, but for people, it's a way to set up your phone so it does not get in the way of people really being with each other. Block distractions. Make way for real connections. Give it a try. Visit U.S. Cellular in-store or online, and they'll help set up your phone to us mode free, even if you're not a customer. Built for superior 5G connection and real human connection, U.S. Cellular. Built for us. Find out more at uscellular.com slash find us. If you didn't know by now, the old sack of potatoes is apparently no longer a sack of potatoes. That's right. Russell Wilson is looking less like a russet these days and more like a, how do I put this? A... Dodonis? Look at, look at, he looks like a Dodonis. He looks like, he looks beautiful. He looks in shape. He, 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 he looks like a Dodonis. He, he looks like a Dodonis. He looks beautiful. He, he doesn't look like a sack of potatoes. Look at, look at. Look at, look at. Look yeah, at, I, I know, look. Oscar, we, we can see. Oscar. If you somehow missed all of this on social media, I mean, truly, Russ does look great. Russ looks shredded. Russ put in the work. Russ looks great. But for some reason, it just keeps trending. Like once a week. Like this is some sort of enormous accomplishment. As opposed to the absolute bare minimum for a professional athlete. 
much less a franchise quarterback making 200 mil. According to reports, he is in the, quote, best shape of his life. My response to that would be, he sure as hell better be. This dude just had the worst season of his career. In fact, one of the most catastrophic years in NFL history. And that's not hyperbole. The Broncos made one of the worst trades ever. And then this dude throws, well, they throw this dude a quarter of a bill so he could go out there and have the worst year ever. I mean, the guy was horrible. He was horrendous. He gets his coach fired. He gets his fancy upstairs office ripped from him. And then to top it all off, the worst part of all, a young star calls him a sack of potatoes. Alvin, can I get a little sound? He didn't just get called a sack of potatoes publicly on a podcast by another active player. He got called a sack of potatoes publicly on a podcast by a rookie. Tariq Woolen, you will always be a legend around here for dropping this incredible blast. When you see him in person, it's like weird. He's like a sack of potatoes. (laughs) (laughs) Another incredible line. When you see him in person, it's weird. It's like he's a sack of potatoes. When you see him in person, it's like weird. He's like a sack of potatoes. (laughs) When you see him in person, it's like weird. He's like a sack of potatoes. I could listen to that on a loop all day long. That is an incredible line. To say about a guy who was at one point a surefire Hall of Famer. Superstar, super alpha, crazy athlete, nine-time Pro Bowler, Super Bowl champ, super sack of potatoes, man. Like, it's weird. You see this guy in person? Like, it's weird. He's like a sack of potatoes. You see him in person? It's like weird. He's like a sack of potatoes. (laughs) (laughs) And they're just clowning him. Russ. So, now he looks great. Yeah, and he does. He looks awesome. But no, I'm not going to give him any credit for that. Hell no, that's his job. The man is a professional athlete. He makes his living with his body. That's his moneymaker. And he makes a bleep ton of money with that sack of potatoes. So no, miss me with that too. I'm not going to give this guy credit for getting into shape. I'm trying to ask why it took a year for this dude to get into shape after he forced his way out of Seattle and was then tossed a quarter of a bill and the keys to the Broncos franchise. Why did he not look like that then? Why did it take a rookie to say, hey, man, it's like weird. It's like you see him in person and he looks like a sack of potatoes. You see him in person, it's like weird. He's like a sack of potatoes. (laughs) Why did Russett get all, all that money And then show up last year looking like a sack of potatoes. And then playing like a sack of potatoes. That's my question. So no, I'm not going to congratulate this dude for getting in shape. I'm not going to congratulate this dude for bleep. For anything. No credit for no longer being fat. A sack of potatoes, Russ. Can I be really emphatic about that? No credit for no longer being fat. You're a pro athlete. And by the way, if this wasn't obvious... Being in shape also guarantees nothing. 
It's just the bare minimum. You can't succeed in the NFL as a sack of potatoes, but just because you get the lumps out does not mean that you're going to set the league on fire. That's no guarantee that getting in shape is going to make this dude back into the guy that he once was or even close to the guy that he once was. It just means he's no longer a sack of potatoes and no credit for that. But at least, at least he has that. I'll give him that. At least he won't have rookies showing up on other podcasts, calling him fat and having everybody else laugh hysterically. So you got that going for you, I guess. Unfortunately, as good as he looks, the russet gloss is so incredible that I don't care if this guy has 0% body fat, the gloss sticks. He will always be russet, at least around here. It's just too good, right? Again, I don't care if this dude somehow has 0% body fat and throws for 70 touchdowns and 7,000 yards. He will always be russet. He might not look like a sack of potatoes anymore, but he will always be a russet to me. Look at, look at, he looks like a Dodonis. Look at, look at, he looks like a russet. In shape. Broncos country. Look at, look at, look at, look at, he looks like a sack of potatoes. Look at, look at, look at, look at, look at, look at. He, look at, 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 it looks like scallop potatoes. Look at, look at, look at, look at, it looks like garlic mashed. Look at, look at, look at, look at, look at, it looks like lobster mashed. Look at, look at, look at, look at, it looks like hash browns. Look at, he looks like a Tadonis. Look at, look at, look at, look at, look at Oscar. The hell happened to you, Oscar? Look at, he, dude, the hell happened to you, by the way? Man, De La Hoya, used to love having him on this show. Look at, look at, look at, look at. Look, look at, it, look at it. How much did you have to drink before you had that conversation? Look at, look at, look at, look at, look at, look at. My glass is empty. Look at, look at, look at. Look at. He looks like a well, When is it okay to drink like, and then go on the air? Look at, look at, look at, look at. Things are going pretty damn well for the two-time defending national champion Georgia Bulldogs right now. In fact, you could say things have never been better. You could say that. Except that would be ignoring one enormous issue. One enormous, ominous, pretty depressing cloud which is hanging over that program right now despite their natties. You know, that pesky little problem that for some reason just will not go away. The one that allegedly led to the tragic deaths of a player and a staff member back in January. Remember? I'm talking about reckless driving, which apparently is the only thing that the dogs are better at than football itself. So I would love to tell you that I was focused on Kirby Smart's football answers when he took his turn at the podium at SEC Media Days yesterday. But of course, I wasn't. How could I be? I would love to tell you how I was locked in on his message about how complacency is the program's biggest enemy right now. Except I know it's not. Unless complacency is what's causing his players to get out on the road and put their lives and everybody else's lives at risk on the regular. Now, the only answer I was interested in hearing from Kirby Smart yesterday was his answer to what the hell is he doing to stop his players from speeding all over town? Because since that January 15th alleged drag race, 
that led to the deaths of two members of that program, 13 players have reportedly been cited for speeding or reckless driving. So what should have been the ultimate wake-up call, I mean, something horrific, apparently had the exact opposite effect. Instead of that being the ultimate scared straight moment, it's like it somehow straight encouraged them to do it some more. And that, that to me is just beyond acceptable. I mean, beyond unacceptable is what I mean. It's unfathomable. How, how is this still happening? Two people lost their lives. And yet this continues to happen over and over and over again. So that's why I'm looking for Kirby Smart to tell us something yesterday to make this make sense. And unfortunately, he did bring some clarity to the situation by making it clear how little he actually cares about the issue. I'm disappointed anytime we have traffic incidents. I, 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 you know, it's, it's very evident uh, when you look at it, we've had traffic citations and incidents throughout the history of being at the University of Georgia. Um, and we actually don't have more now than we've had in the past. So what, we, what concerns me most is the safety of our players, all right? And when you drive at high speeds, it's unsafe. And we don't want that to happen. We're going to do all we can to take that out and uh, make sure that's eradicated. But I'm also smart enough, Pat, to understand and know that 18 to 20-year-olds is when this happens. When it happens, when it happened to me as a student athlete, that's when speeding happens. What we want to do is take that out and make it safe and not have high speeds. If somebody's going to get a speeding ticket, it should not be a super speeder. The hell is that dude talking about? The hell was that answer? The hell kind of answer was that? He says he's smart enough to know that this is when speeding happens. When guys are 18 to 20. But apparently he's not smart enough to know that that's not any kind of excuse. And by the way, it doesn't actually seem to be a chronic, life-threatening situation for any of the 18 to 20-year-olds anywhere else or in anyone else's program. But your 18 to 20-year-olds, they're just going to speed. And apparently there's not really a damn thing you can do about it or want to do about it. Quote, we've had traffic citations and incidents throughout the history of the University of Georgia, and we actually don't have more now than we've had in the past. Kirby, did you just say that? Like, it's always been like this. First of all, it's always been like this is never a justification for something that's clearly wrong. Second of all, there is no way it's always been like this. Or what you'd be saying is we have a couple of people who die every single year because of this. But even if it has always been like this, what do you see? Maybe you fix it now. How about that? Two people in your program died in January, my dude. You can't just say it's fine because, well, if you look at the records, we're pretty much right where we've always been. It's always been like this. You can't just say it's fine because it's always been this way. You know why? Because it's not fine. You know how I know it's not fine? Two people died. And then nothing at all changed. He actually said, if somebody's going to get a speeding ticket, 
It should not be a super speeder. It should not be a super speeder. What? The hell are you talking about? Dude, nobody in your program should be using their car to break the law, period. And then you enforce that with discipline when it happens. That's how that works. You can't actually do something about this. You can actually do something about this other than to say, hey, you know, this is when speeding happens, when people are 18 to 20. I mean, do I have to explain how rules work to the most successful coach in the country right now? So when Kirby hits us all with, we're going to do all we can to take that out and make sure that's eradicated, it doesn't exactly come across as sincere. I mean, dude, what the hell have you done? Why haven't you started already? What are you waiting for? Also, it's pretty hard to believe that you're going to do, quote, all you can to fix this when seemingly you've done the exact opposite so far. Hey, but don't take my word for it, as always. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution reported this last month. But smart almost always lets athletes continue playing despite their off-field transgressions. Suspensions are unusual. Dismissals from the team even rarer. Exactly how smart punishes players is unclear. Quote, everybody wants to know what the punishment is. End quote. Smart said after a recent string of arrests, well, the players know what the punishment is. End of quote. Yeah, apparently that's the problem. The players know the punishment is there is no punishment. That's why they keep doing it. But that's not all the AJC reported last month. They also said that since Smart took over in 2015, he's had about 350 athletes come through that program. And Georgia players have been charged with traffic offenses nearly 300 times. I mean, yes, some of those were minor. But at least 60 of the incidents involved players driving 20 miles per hour or more over the limit. Which is pretty dangerous and pretty reckless and pretty stupid and wrong. But the fact that seemingly nothing has changed since two people died is the most insane part of all to me. Although it makes a little more sense when you actually listen to Kirby Smart because when you listen to this dude, it's almost like this dude doesn't even understand that there's an actual problem, a serious problem. I mean, I hate to say SEC, gonna SEC, but even for the SEC, this is a ridiculous stretch. There isn't supposed to be a body count on your football or basketball season. I can't believe I even have to say that. And I can't believe that guys like Nate Oates and Kirby Smart can't take any of this more seriously. All we get from these guys is, hey, you know, boys will be boys. Wrong spot at the wrong time. It's always been like this. And you know what? None of that's good enough. It's not good enough. So forgive me for being distracted from the rest of Kirby Smart's 30-plus minutes of rambling on about complacency and better never rest and all that bull crap. This guy had one job to do yesterday, and he failed miserably. Again, there's no doubt it's the best program in the country on the field right now, but off the field, it's a disgrace. Better never rest. 
better never rests. He said that. Better never rests. You know who never rests? Kirby. The people at NHTSA. And people like you make their job that much more important. It's hard enough that they have to keep telling people to click it or tick it with seatbelts. Or to remember one thing. Stop. Trains can't. Or to drive sober or get pulled over. Their next campaign is going to be, hey, dogs, if you want a three-peat, stay off the street. I mean, I mean, I know that was, that sucked. That was terrible. But you know what I mean. Damn, Kirby. You had one thing to do. And you couldn't even do it. Just one. The only answer that mattered. We don't care about any of that football stuff. You speak for a half hour, 30 seconds mattered. And you botched the hell out of that. You've had traffic citations and incidents throughout the history no, 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 of being no, no, at the no, University no, no, of Georgia. No, 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 You have two people who died. That's what you have. Not incidents and citations over history. And history would indicate that we're actually trending right along where we normally are. No, two people died. And you've had all of these other speeding tickets since then. should not be a then. super speeder. Oh, but it's okay if you're not a super speeder. What the hell are you talking about, dude? It's V in the fee. V, what's up? Shaquille Romeo, welcome back, my brother. It's good to hear your voice. But man, has a lot happened since you left. The Lakers won the offseason. LaBall shocked nobody and announced he's not retiring. The TV movie actors are on strike now, which means nothing's changed from working Hollywood's work week. But the biggest thing was the NBA midseason tournament. I know I bashed it and hated it and said it was the opposite of a golden ticket idea, but Slugworth's twin, Adam Silver, surprised me and came out with the full details of the tournament. And you know what? I hate it even more. Imagine your players being so unmotivated to play in games they're actually paid for. You have to invent a tournament where there's a cash prize, a stupid cup, and a free trip to Vegas, which only will motivate James Frauden. And then claims the tournament for basketball purists. I don't know, but I thought purists play for the love of the game, not some worthless cup and 500 extra gur. Hey, Alien Silver, when Zion wrestles a ton and Kawhi see you low management's garbage, even this crap was revealed. The Spurs announced that they're considering load managing Victor Wembanyama. Boy, you can tell these teams really want this cup, eh, commissioners? But Romeo, this might be a good idea. Maybe you should have a mid-season smack-off tournament so some of these old-ass callers who pretend to care about your show can call in more than once in a year. We can get Aya Farty, a.k.a. I Afraid to Call Unless There's Five Girl on the Line versus Fat Jeff in Richmond, whose call will take up three segments, just like how he takes up three airline seats. Okay, wait, stop. Rome, yesterday you said I can't make fat jokes unless it affects performance. But Jeff's fat lifestyle affects his call. For example, Jeff, you get unlimited orders and seconds at the dinner table. Doesn't mean you get unlimited seconds on your phone call. I mean, six minutes in the smack off, you can barely stand up for that long. What makes you think we could stand you for that long? Now, I know what everyone's thinking. Wow, big talk from a nice play finisher. V thinks he owns the jungle now. So let me make this clear. I wanted to win, and I didn't. I'm not going to be like that bitch Christian Southeast Wisco and claim my dynasty and start saying, it's a nice place, finish clone. Side note, 
Chrissy, you said I couldn't get in the smack up by calling you a bitch. Well, my nice play finish owned you, bitch. So for me, it's either your first or your last. Doesn't mean I can't call my haters to tell them to kiss my ass. Smack off season in July, and that's how I do. Be in the feed. Out. Rack him at a boy. I love it. Rack him. He's already in next year. He's already in next year. That call, well, I mean, his top 10 secured it, but that call locked it. V, see you next year. Good night now.